The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by only one co-host, but, you know, he's a special one. It's the uh, the brother, Shane Kelly. That's right. I always feel a little bit like when we do episodes... Uh, by the way, listeners, um, Laura is sick, and Nate is in Budapest, a place mm-hmm. that, for me, only exists as an exotic locale in, like... Uh, detective period pieces and things of that nature. It's a place where people are from. I really enjoyed uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, so uh, now I now I kind of want to go there. I'm, I'm sure that it's just like the Wes Anderson version. You'll have to ask Nate all about it. I haven't actually heard the story from Nate. Is he there for like business or pleasure? Pretty sure it's business, but I don't know for sure. I, I didn't really talk to him much about his trip before he went. Hi, Nate. Hope hey, you're having Nate. fun in Budapest. He'll probably be back by the time he hears this. Have fun storming the castle. <laughs> um, speaking of storming castles, uh, we were taking this week to uh, betray the very animating principle that drives the short game, completely destroy the podcast. Um, we we're talking about Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, yes, a game that is 100% not short <laughs> at all, bro. Yeah, no, this is not a short game. The, our listeners are uh, unfortunately going to have to listen to us talk about uh, probably the game of the year, the most talked about, most popular game um, on on PC in uh, the year 2023. So uh, I'm sure they're all upset about that because the game's too long. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, w- listeners, we're talking about this because we can't stop playing it. And, I can't. Um, it's it's fantastic. It is. And also, it's completely wrecked the schedule for the show, um, like completely and utterly. Uh, there have been definitely a few nights where I was like, mm, I should play this game for the show. I need to cover it. It's coming right up. Let's look at that clock. Got to play that short game for the show. And instead, I spend an equivalent amount of time playing Baldur's <laughs> Gate three. Um, it's just been a thing. Uh, I have talked on the show before about like my, my, I have a kind of a weird relationship to longer RPGs. I generally pick like one ish a year um, and kind of play them in the nooks and crannies around the games that we play for the show. And usually in very small chunks. So like this mm-hmm. is what happened to me, which with like the Witcher three, which is one of my all time favorites, uh, the persona games, um, you know, I like RPGs. I like long RPGs. Most good RPGs end up being kind of long, um, but I just can't fit them in because of the way that we do the show. It's just not it's not really feasible. This one, this one was like, screw your weird way of playing RPGs where you play them in two hour chunks over the course of, you know, seven to 12 months. And it just elbowed everything else out of the way. And I've put about 40 hours into this uh, in since it came out, which for me, I know like this, this is not a this is not a 40 hour game this is like a 100 plus hour game. And I'm not even past act one, which we'll talk about. Like, don't worry about spoilers, guys. We're really only going to be talking about act one here because that's really all we've been yep. playing. Act but one like, so far. I got a lot of great things to say about it. I don't have a long history with computer RPGs. You know, Reagan, you play a lot more RPGs than I do in general. I will pick one out maybe every 
few years. You know, I'm, I, I think between the two of us, you tend to like uh, games that are a lot more talky. I like games that are a lot more shooty. Um, the the thing that had me sold on Baldur's Gate three like immediately um, was that you know it's I'm I'm a big D and D fan and uh, I already like I have a little bit of ex- experience because we did play the first Larian game a little bit together but I didn't really make much headway Not into the it. first Larian game but we played um, Divinity Original Sin the first of, of those Larian has been around longer than that but I yeah, didn't realize played... what's their what's their their history before that uh, looks like I'm just I'm now like just looking up their Wikipedia um, founded in 1996 um, the Divinity Original Sin games are only uh, the latest games in the Divinity series. The first one was called Divine Divinity, which came out in 2002, um, oh. which I uh, what a title Divine says, Divinity. I know. Right. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and its sequel Beyond Divinity. I know almost nothing about those original Divinity games, but there's a bunch of them. There's Divinity Two Eco Ego Draconis Divinity Dragon Commander, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. They are, um, I was never interested in their games. I'd only, I maybe kind of, I was though, I was, no, like I, I I was never interested in their games until the divinity original sin games, mm. which like I was very intrigued by because people talked about them in glowing hushed tones. Um, and specifically they had, uh, people really like talked up the, um, Obviously, they're just like they're great computer RPGs, but they talked up the like um, sort of emergent nature of the of the of the gameplay mechanics. Lots of stuff like, you know, being able to, you know, uh, I don't know, light poisonous fog on fire to cause explosions or, you know, exploit the the battle system in weird ways to gain advantage before uh, before a battle begins, that kind of stuff. And I love that kind of thing. I love that. Like, I don't play a lot of tactics games exactly, but I like the idea of like being able to cleverly break a game in a way that, mm-hmm. you know, both is and is not expected by the developer. I love that kind of stuff, these sort of systemsy stuff. And we played a good bit of Divinity Original Sin. I kind of liked it but we never finished it. The, the the thing I liked about it a lot was kind of what you were talking about, the um, uh, the strategic gameplay where you have uh, a lot of different combinations of spells and elemental abilities and things in the, in the environment. Um, and I just thought it had really good uh, combat encounter design, like a lot of use of for, for this type of game, which like my preconception about, computer rpgs is like you know it's just a flat isometric grid uh and i'll move my characters around and uh until they're in range of each other and then you know click to swing a sword uh so divinity kind of showed me then the original sin divinity original sin showed me like that you know there's a lot you can do with that in terms of just combining different abilities and then i mean of course this one i I went. I've never had an easier onboarding to a complex game than I have with this one because it is so good at adapting fifth edition D anD D. Like the spells, the classes, the abilities are brought in to computer RPG better than I could have imagined they could be. Like this, really, really. 
there are there are smart changes, but nothing that breaks the uh, the feel and what you as a player of tabletop D and D would intuitively think uh, the way stuff is going to actually work. And it, I I'm so impressed by that. That that is exactly what drew me into this because like. I, you know, like I said, I've been, I've been wanting for years to play Divinity Original Sin 2. It's been on my like backlog of like, I really, really want to play this game. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, wait, if they're the developers behind this new Baldur's Gate, you know, by the way, of course, like this is handing the venerable Baldur's Gate series over to an entirely new developer for its third entry, which I think is yeah. you know, bold, but awesome. I have always heard about Baldur's Gate, but mm-hmm. they're 20 year old games, right? right. I rem- the last time I remembered hearing about them, um, Lots of people were saying, now's the best time to play Baldur's Gate. Um, yeah, Baldur's Gate 2 is out on iPad ago. or something like that. Yeah, And um, like, it's not really a genre that's necessarily for me. Also, like, you know, I, I know it's kind of an adaptation of the 3.5, uh, I guess, rule set. And um, like that would be, there was a lot of like learning to do. You have to read a lot of those abilities and spells. I was able to start playing Baldur's Gate. Yeah, that's the thing, man. This like, was no so easy to get into as an as an existing Dungeons yeah. and Dragons like player. So that's what I think is really brilliant. Dungeons and Dragons has had a really big moment in the culture. Uh, you know, you can look at things like Stranger Things, obviously, but like even broader, um, like you know, the like the D and D movie was huge, very successful, and and let's plays um, of Dungeons and Dragons yeah. are huge. And so Dungeons and Dragons has been having just like such a massive cultural moment. And so the the number of people who have at the very least sort of read through the rules of Dungeons and Dragons has never been higher. And that I think has contributed to why this game has been such a massive breakout hit. I think if you threw, you know, average Joe gamer into, I mean, you know, maybe Divinity Original Sin 2, super good game, very, very popular. It did really well, sold a lot of copies, but nothing like what Baldur's Gate 3 has done. And it's because you're throwing Joe average gamer into this you know, complex computer RPG, but there's a better than average chance that he at least already kind of knows the rules, which was exactly what happened for you and me, Shane. Like I, I jumped into this and I immediately started swimming um, uh-huh. in a way that I've never done with a complex RPG with like complex battle mechanics before. I had, I so I mean, uh, I think that's partially responsible for like the pop, the instant popularity, the surprise popularity of this. But, uh, you know, I think we can really point to the fact that we were already introduced to these characters in Commander Legends Battles for Baldur's Gate, uh, a draft <laughs> set for Magic the Gathering. You dinked. It's, I mean, it, it actually is very cool that, like, you know, here I am sitting down and I, I know the names and faces of these characters even before I started playing because, hell, I was drafting uh, this set back like more than a year ago i think it was like 2022 or or i don't remember when it when that set released but it's been a while and not a factor um, for me no <laughs> but yeah cool. but no but it is it is a really i mean this is a really well marketed uh game in that i mean that and it's paying off for them really well this is this is to me this is when um the big franchise thing works really well, right? Like D and D, like you said, is having a moment, uh, but they're having a moment across all these different media. They've got the the movie, 
Uh, I bought D&D toys recently for my son. Uh, they've got the card game and now they have the computer RPG. And it's really satisfying that the computer RPG is as good as it is because, um, you know, I, 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 I felt a little swept up in the hype. I'm like, Hey, I'm into it. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the gameplay, like, let's talk about the gameplay cause it is super good in my opinion. Like, yes. what do you think about first off the turn-based combat, uh, setup that they have apart from it just being feeling good to a 5e player what do you think about it in terms of on its own terms well there are just many many things that make the turn-based combat feel fast and fluid to me like it's it's good about you know just little stuff like automatically moving the camera to, to whoever's character is you know needs to take an action that kind of thing little stuff like um you know DD can be a little complicated different classes have different approaches to how they take their turn things like you know, whether they have bonus actions, if you're, you know, a barbarian, you have a different kind of set of, of potential options than if you're a fighter, like, you know, what is what is a superiority dice, like that kind of thing, like these mm-hmm. sorts of things can be kind of complicated. But it's done a really, really good job of presenting like, what are your options for the character that you're looking at right now? Um, and even with little stuff like, like, you know, uh, bonus actions are represented by little glowing triangles. And if the triangle is glowing, you have a bonus action that you could use, that kind of thing. Um, little stuff like that, that like, frankly, made this way easier for me than certain aspects of D&D. Uh, when I played you called D&D, out, I, you called out a, an issue right there, like the action bonus action thing. To me, that's one of the most um, annoying elements of fifth edition D&D. Yes. And they did just pop port it right over here. Um, it's, it's downright silly that something that once you get to maybe level three or five, you're probably going to have to be using every turn and, you know, trying to maximize your use of it and calling that a bonus action. You know, it's, it's basically, you might as well just have action a and action B. Yeah. You know, I, I get why, like, you know, bonus action isn't the worst name for it but yeah no i totally i've had that that problem with dnd 5e in that like i find some of the classes too confusing to play and i've stuck with things like like uh paladins and stuff because i like the martial classes i like you know swords and boards mm-hmm. but i i also just i like i like playing a character where like i i attack this turn you know like i like it simple mm-hmm. um but this is let me because you get this whole party and you're playing the entire party um, you, well, unless you're playing multiplayer, which I'm sure we'll talk about the multiplayer mechanics in a little bit, but because you're playing the whole party, you get a little bit of flavor of multiple different classes. And it's, it's so neat to be able to play like, uh, uh, you know, I, I never play warlocks. Like I've never, mm-hmm. I've, I've never played a, a, a wizard in D and D I've just never done it. Cause I've just, I'm, I like swords, dude. Um, but like being able to to try all of those and get a sense of how the 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 characters work together, you know, in a in a proper D and D campaign setting, that's you working with your friends. But there's still something really compelling about just sort of getting the feel for that interplay, just mm-hmm. you know, playing two characters, you know, yourself. Uh, well, to expand it out from just the combat gameplay to all the gameplay, uh, the game has a lot of dice rolling mm-hmm. in a way that is uh that i like like this kind of genre like D running up against the computer rpg genre like there are some things that are really natural there that are absurd in D, and one of them is quick saves mm-hmm. um but ha- having that 
uh, be a part of um, the way that it tells its story through its cutscenes and its dice rolls. Um, I think that some people are going to really like that. Some people aren't, but I absolutely am loving it. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing about it is, and this is actually hard to do even in tabletop um, uh, D&D, um, nearly every, well, actually, I want to kind of compare it back to what I remember of, of Divinity, right? Um, in Divinity, they had great combat encounters, and they had an interesting story. But the individual combat encounters didn't always feel like they had their own story or that they were in furtherance of the main story. Um, the way this kind of game works is you actually have a pretty limited number of enemies to fight. That's part of how they gate your progression. If you could just grind a limitless number of slimes and get to level 15 and then steamroll the game, I don't think that this game would feel the way it does, right? The these game, I don't know how much how common this is in computer RPGs, but um, you really have to seek out the challenge in order to advance your character and get stronger. Um, and you know, I was enjoying that in the game that we played before, Divinity. But this one does an incredible job of having each little encounter be telling you something about the world, be connecting to its own little story, um, and they're not just doing it through like you find a note on the ground, right? Um, mm-hmm. even some of the ones that are just straight up random, like you run into some gnolls, right? And it's a, it's not really connected to a lot of stuff. I don't know if you encountered the gnolls. Yes. Great. Okay. I loved it. But they use that as a chance to teach you what are gnolls, what is Inogu, the God they worship, like all this stuff. Right. So, um, they, they do, you know, there's a, a rich bunch of lore that they can shovel in. Um, I want to talk about some of the encounters that I thought have done this super well, we yeah. just played together. Um, and, the uh, again, listeners, we we are now going to be talking about some story aspects Spoilers. from from, from mm-hmm. chapter one or, or act one. It's a three act game, but act one is really meaty. Like I said, mm-hmm. I'm at almost 40 hours and I'm I'm kind of scraping the bottom of act one, you know, wanting to like do everything before I move on. But like yeah. talking about like longer than many whole RPGs, uh, is like act one of this game. It's quite meaty, depending on how much you like seek out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you are averse to spoilers or you are, you know, planning on playing this game, um, I think we'll try to keep things a little bit sort of spoiler light. You know, we're not going to like talk about like exact. We're going to, but we're going to yeah. be talking about our experiences here, and mm-hmm. it's going to be very hard to talk about them without talking about the story of Act One or the things that are happening to you. So be prepared. Absolutely. Um, so well. I was going to refer to um, the encounter um, around the character Auntie Ethel. Yes. I thought that had ex- an extremely rich story with um, interesting moments that happened both in and out of the fight. Um, I, I'm i also thinking of the um, um, the base, the hidden room in the basement of the alchemist. That's not too much of a spoiler. Yeah. Um, but their turn, their turn out to be really interesting things done in there, uh, that are happening story-wise, both in and out of combat. And, um, in fact, they really blur the line there. One thing I absolutely love is like in any of these cutscenes, just about any of these cutscenes, there's a button at the bottom of the screen that you can click on that says like, 
attack. Let's start. Let's let's attack right this second, <laughs> right? Yeah. And um, in a lot of cases, you can do that and like fully change the outcome of the scene. There are characters that will die in cutscenes that you can save if you click that button, right? Hmm. And um, I just think that level of depth is really ambitious for a game like this. Larian has done um, something really, really cool. Um, I mean, it, this is the, a great example of like how you do story in combat, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be thinking about this game for years when I am actually playing tabletop D and D. I agree. And like we were talking about some of these encounters, like the, um, the anti-ethyl one is a perfect example. It, it's structured like mm. a really good, like two session D and D campaign or not, you know, campaign exactly, but like series of encounters. Like it's a, it's like, this would be like a, one of those little paperback modules. Right. And it's got, uh, it's got multiple ways it can play out. Um, an interesting like reason to be there. Lots of really funny moments. Um, this game actually has a lot of good humor in it. Like it, it's, mm -hmm. it's got some great characters, some good humor. We'll talk about some of the characters and what we like and don't about them, I suppose in a minute, maybe, but like I, some of the stuff that led up to the anti-ethyl fight was very funny, like really funny, um, really neat, like lead up the, the whole area around it. And the, the whole time I was thinking like, this is what I feel like when I'm ge getting a really good D and D session with a good DM like you, Shane. Um, Thank you very much on your best days. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it was it was a really it was a really good encounter, and it's just one small corner of this large map. The Goblin Camp, an excellent piece of design, like the the entire like process of like you know choosing you know going into the goblin camp you have all this freedom like the goblins think that you're one of them you can mm -hmm. go and explore you can see the whole place and then you decide whether you want to go along with the plan for the goblins whether you want to be sneaky whether you want to like there's multiple ways for you to just like rip off a seal and let something loose and go nuts in the goblin camp and have like absolutely insane combat encounters, or you can play it sneaky. There's just so many options for how to approach these different scenes. And I've only played through this thing once. And, you know, immediately every time I got through a big scene, I was like, that was super great. Absolutely satisfying. I loved the little story that played out for me there, but I also would I'm dying to see how some of this stuff would go differently. In some cases, I've quick saved, gone back and tried little things that were different. But but I, I, I mean, this is this is a game that more than any, you know, hundred plus hour game has made me like want to try a different approach to things. I, I was thinking a lot about The Witcher 3 when I played through this because The Witcher 3 is a wonderful game. Like I, I really adored The Witcher 3. Like I said, like I played it like in little spurts for a year. It's one of the only um, games of its type that I like. I played it on hard, by the way, if you ever decide to play The Witcher 3 and you haven't. I recommend playing it on hard. It's so much better on hard that I I don't I'm not usually that guy, but like it's just one of those games, man, like really way more interesting and deep. But anyway, like a lot of the stuff like the anti-ethyl bit, it's like a really good one of the like really good Witcher three, um, you know, uh, plot lines like it's a it's like its own whole little plot line and 
um, I, I thought a lot about the Witcher as I was playing through this. Like this is, it's like on that level. And for me, that's like high praise because that is maybe one of the most engrossing um, story games in the sort of RPG actiony kind of vibe that I've, I've ever played. So um, this is immediately shot to a, a, the top of a lot of my lists. I, I think it's also worth calling out while we're talking about what we love about the game. Um, so it has what feel to me like tremendously high production values. Um, this is absolutely one of the best voice acted games that I have played in a long time. There's a very charming cast of characters. Uh, we should talk through the different uh, characters of the game in your party. Um, and uh, it's very well written from what I've seen so far. I'm, I'm told that the story as it progresses through the acts has, um, you know, you mentioned it has a lot of humor, uh, but you know, it seems to also have a lot of depth uh, as you explore the story a little bit more. I hope we can get back together and maybe talk through some of that in another podcast. Um, yeah, maybe when we get further through it, we'll do a little uh, like mm-hmm. uh, when we I finish know, it, right? Patron special. A couple years sure. from now. A couple years from now, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's also, it it has a really interestingly diverse cast of characters. Like there's uh, a lot of different uh, races and classes represented. Uh, and uh, it has a, I, you know, the the characters that they put as kind of the face of the game, if you look at the like main picture for the game, uh, it has that kind of pile of characters heads thing that is common on Hollywood movie posters, right? Um, the biggest one, the one looking right out at you is Asterian. Asterian is fantastic. I love Asterian. Um, uh, so I'll just take a minute and talk about like one or two of my favorite characters. Asterian sure. is a, um, a vampire and he's not hiding it very well. And, <laughs> not at all. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, a little, a little ways into his story, he, he takes you into his confidence and explains it to you, um, or tries to eat you. You know, there's a few different ways it can go. I think, excuse me. He is not a vampire, by the way, he is a vampire spawn. I've always thought that the, the, like the nature of vampires in the D and D world was a little weird. Um, they're much more the like mega monster, you know, than yeah. like vampires in like most media and vampire spawns are kind of like powers wise equivalent to what you typically think of as a vampire, but they're actually more like just thralls. They're the Renfields to, yeah. to the actual vampire vampires. Yeah, but they're Dracula. actually like, yeah, and, and in this, like he's a vampire spawn. So he's not like one of the like mm-hmm. uber super powerful, like mega monsters, like a true vampire is in, in D and D. And he's also, um, basically Tim Curry's Frankenfurter. And <laughs> uh, uh, maybe a little <laughs> like, extremely like he sounds like him <laughs> he kind of looks like him with white hair uh it's, he's the he's the most queer coded character it's fantastic why, like, when he starts hitting on i was playing a, a female uh, halfling and when he started hitting on my female halfling i was like bro are you sure you're on the right team here are you sure <laughs> he's so funny and i mean i just i i i'm i'm playing a main character that is very stealthy, but I have a hard time um, not kind of rolling with two rogues 
uh, because Asterion is so cool. My so my great. main character is actually a wizard, but I play him kind of like a rogue. So, um, and I guess my other favorite, I am abs- I'm I don't have her in my party all the time, but the character that I love to hate is uh, Lazelle. Um, the I can't believe that they made me like this weirdo. Like I the Gith Yankee are the dumbest shit in D anD D. Like if you if you don't know what they like, look up the original art for the Gith Yankees. The silliest <laughs> thing, and they still look silly. They look like little spotty frogs, and uh, they're they're and like lore wise, they never really appealed to me that much either. They're kind of space elves, right? You know, you got your D and D has expanded on Tolkien's like high elves and wood elves, uh, with elves of every conceivable kind. Right. And, uh, one of them is the, the Gith Yankee who are the space elves. I think um, calling them space elves is giving them entirely too much credit. They're, they're gross. They're little alien dudes. The, their defining feature physically is those tiny noses, which are really unpleasant. Really funny. At. Really I don't funny like them. Um, and yet, and yet, I freaking and also they're 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 like the Githyanki are like clannish weirdos obsessed with their queen, obsessed with honor. They ride dragons through space, which is pretty pretty badass. But like, they're just like. Like I, this game starts with mind flayers and Gith Yankee in like incredibly prominent positions. These are both things that, like, frankly, I think if you're a DM and you're putting mind flayers or Gith Yankee in your like session one, you're a freaking weirdo. Like, those are like those are like the edgiest weirdo stuff in the like main D and D stuff. Like, I've never played a game where a Gith Yankee came up. It's just never happened. <laughs> they're pretty out there. Yeah. Uh, the the they're they're one of those things that uh, like exists in D anD D because they had to keep churning out content for Dragon Magazine for fifteen years. Like yeah. <laughs> that's uh, the and and they're lore wise, they're actually kind of cool. You know, they've got uh, mm. they've got a lot of story that's t- together with the mind flayers. Thanks to Stranger Things, the idea of a mind flayer is like in the cultural zeitgeist. So I think that's, um, you know, even though the version of, quote unquote, the mind flayer that they showed in um, in the Stranger Things, you know, nothing in Stranger Things really is like D&D. It, it's just ca- the characters who like D&D. Yeah, it's like a weird um, horror thing where the, the the kids are applying D&D terms to the horrific things that they're encountering because yeah. it's the terms that they have for that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you think that you're going to be up against like a weird, puffy, psychic, dark cloud, like, you know, no, not really. You're actually up against um, Cthulhu tadpole monsters. They're yeah. basically they're basically what if Cthulhu um, rode in a cool spaceship and uh, could turn you into one of those guys. Yeah. Uh, wanted to impregnate and, you with his tadpoles. Really gross. And um and like overall, like I, I, I think that the the inciting you know incident, like you got to come up with some reason to have like these weird five characters plus your you know your own head rolled up your own weirdo um, character all get sort of forced together to you know adventure around um, very quickly, and so it's it's a reasonable 
premise, the idea that, you know, the, the game begins with you are abducted onto a mind flayer ship and they're about to turn you into a mind flayer. They've put one of these weird tadpoles in your brain and um, then you guys escape altogether and you've got to figure out how to get rid of these tadpoles in your brain on the quick before you all turn into slavering mind flayer weirdos. Um, and that's a that's a perfectly fine thing. It doesn't do much for me. It's like if if you know Shane, if you told me that was the like that was the inciting incident for your next big D and D campaign, I'd be like, okay. Uh, well, I mean, I kind of did try and lean into that side of D and D in one of our campaigns, and I I'll be honest, it was kind of a flop. Um, I don't remember what you're talking about. What do you mean? I'm talking about when we I had the um, Spelljammer inspired. Uh, oh, the space guys. Yeah, yeah, that one. Okay, so they're, it was. It was. They're fine. kind of part of that astral, um, you know, spacey um, spaceship version of D anD. d Which, by the way, I mean, this is a complete side note, but um, one of the biggest disappointments uh, for me in terms of actual fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons product has been the stuff that they put out for Spelljammer. Because oh, is it no good? Um, I wanted it to have like rules for ship to ship combat that were any good so far D D has taken like two or three stabs at doing ship to ship combat in different products and they've all been kind of not fun mm, um too bad. and because it just you know they a lot of them devolve into just like everybody does nothing the one guy steers the ship and you shoot once and then it's the next turn the next round yeah. and um all of that is that's cool and all because um, you're in space, but like, I mean, it's it's a lot to get into. It's a lot to get into. So it worked OK as like a high level jaunt through, you know, the, the planes or whatever. But I would never set a whole campaign in that campaign setting. So uh, that's all I really. Oh, you know, while I'm talking about. Uh, products from Wizards of the Coast. Uh, I will say that Commander Legends Magic the Battle for Baldur's Gate um, <laughs> is actually a lot of fun to draft. And um, <laughs> it's a commander draft. So if you have your D&D group and you're interested in trying it out, uh, the box set for this is like uh, 85 bucks now. It's like kind of down from the original. They've, been, they've printed the hell out of it. And uh, it's... Uh, I I highly recommend it. Um, they combine uh, a lot of these same characters you'll see in Baldur's Gate. You know, you can get your Asterian, the decadent card, you know, for a white and a black mana uh, for a legendary creature, vampire elf rogue um, with death touch and lifelink. And he has two activated abilities. Uh, you can have your opponent lose life equal to the amount of life they lost this turn or uh, gain life equal to the amount of life you gained this turn. Uh, perfect uh, vampire. Sorry, oh, I dozed off there for a second. Uh, there, there, there's also a lot of the characters, uh, like Lazel, for example, use a mechanic uh, called backgrounds, where you can have uh, two commanders if one of them is this enchantment called a background, which is a nice way to kind of create a customized character because these two things kind of go together. Um. So I'm glad I got a chance to talk about that on our podcast and no one, including the people on our discord are going to care. So um, <laughs> thank you, Shane. Um, I, I wonder if we should talk a little bit about um, 
our own characters, like the process of creating a character in this. Because one of the things that I liked best about this was the character creator. You know, there's for a certain type of D and D player, the most fun thing is creating your character, like coming up with a backstory and, you know, going through the, the player's handbook and everything. And this has a really excellent character creator that has a lot of the fun of coming up with your own tabletop character. It has an option at the very beginning of the game. You can choose between rolling up your own character or playing what it calls an origin character, which is basically you play as you take the, you know, take over one of the companion characters that you meet during the first act um, and play them as your main character. And in the games, like, like, um, menus, it doesn't really seem to weight you either way. But when I was preparing to play this, I had, I had listened to an interview with one of the developers who more or less said like the intended first run experience is to roll up your own character and then like recommended that for most new players. Um, and so that's what I did. And I was very happy with that decision because I really like the character creator here. First of all, it has like, you know, as far as just like creating a character that looks like you want them to look, they have a ton of options here, but it wasn't so overwhelming. I I run into a problem with like a lot of character creators where like I like I get something that I kind of like and I'm like, well, what if it looked just a little better in X or Y ways? And then I go and touch like one slider and suddenly I've created a hideous creature that I just detest and I can never figure out how to fix it. And everything that I change trying to like make my character look the way that I want them to look just like looks worse and worse until finally I, I say fuck it and I play the whole through whole game through as someone with like a flat forehead and a chin that sticks out farther than their nose or something like that. Right. Um, I just, I, I never had that problem with this. I am very happy with the character I created. Um, and also, you know, D and D has, it gives you all of the options basically from the original five E player's handbook. Um, so you can be any of the classes you can play, you know, a cleric and pick any of the gods that you can multi-class, um, between as you know, the, the way, the way that mostly works is whenever you level up, you're picking a level in a class and uh, multi-classing from fifth edition is very well supported here. Yeah, I haven't actually explored much of that, but it's it's nice that there's a really interesting blog post today uh, from uh, from Larian where they listed the top 20 multi-class combinations. Oh, interesting. And uh, yeah, the way out in front, I, I bet you will never guess the combination that's the most popular. I, I would know. Have. I saw that they put out a blog post a, a few weeks ago where they talked about like the the stats on like main class, and surprisingly, the um, uh, paladin was way out in front. Yes. So paladin is, but not paladin rogue. You were very close. It's actually ranger rogue is more popular. Ah, um, and I I think I do think that's very interesting. Um, I I don't know. Maybe it's that you know your ranger is a. Um, long range specialist and your rogue is kind of a up close backstab uh, kind of character uh, or, you know, sneak sneaking. attacks are really cool when you can get yeah. them at range. Right. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Um, and then right beneath that one is barbarian fighter, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. combination. Uh, you know, with fighter, you get um, you get an extra attack early on. Um, you uh, have a lot of, Things like the there's a lot of good stuff you can get in the subclasses too, um, and fighter is always a 
you know, and barbarian is super fun. Um, but the, you mentioned paladin being popular, the next one, two, three, four, five things on the list here are all, uh, some variation of multi-classing paladin, either with barbarian, cleric, fighter, uh, warlock, um, or sorcerer here. So, mm. yep. Uh, people do like the paladin. I think the paladin, I need to try a paladin because uh, I've not, they don't have any of the origin characters as paladins. No, and yeah. if people are choosing it that much, it must be a really good class. I always enjoyed playing a paladin. I played a paladin for most of our time in D&D and I really mm -hmm. like it. I like the divine smites. I like the sort of mechanics around that. But also there's just something satisfying about like imagining yourself as a, you know, a knight in shining armor with a big ass sword and maybe a big, big shield. Like I, I like that vibe. I just I just like being the the heavy and I like the I like the like you know for the lord kind of uh kind of vibe too. I kick ass for the lord. Um like I, I love I love paladins. It's great. Yeah. Um so but yeah, my, your character, you built a very strange character. Oh, not that strange. I I just really liked the way that the small races looked in this so i um uh, for my first character i rolled up i i built a halfling rogue named pickles and she's great uh she's got little like top knot buns i like the hairstyle options in this and pink um, hair is it pink i guess it's kind of pinkish yeah and um uh and i just think she's great and fun to play and, uh, you know, the, the game gives you lots of options. You get some options about your background. I chose that she like grew up as like a street kid in Baldur's Gate. So occasionally you get nice, uh, nice background like dialogue choices that give you like sort of, you know, remind you that she's streetwise about Baldur's Gate. Um, sometimes you get like nice rogue options. Being a rogue is fun because you can do things like pick locks pretty early. And that's that's fun. Disarm traps and all that stuff comes up. But I, I really enjoyed that character. And we'll talk about the multiplayer as well. Um, one of the nice things about playing in multiplayer, if you know, we both jumped into each other's games and it gave me an opportunity to try something a little different. So I, uh, I also rolled up a, a gnome barb, no, no, excuse me, a gnome ranger uh, that I named Squeak. And she was fun to play as well. Um, I enjoyed both of those. Um, mm -hmm. I thought about naming one, one of my characters Pasta because I usually, given the choice about naming a character, I usually name them Pasta these days. Um, but uh, in this case, I decided on something. I was like, well, I'll keep it a food theme with pickles. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I tried to remake a NPC from an old campaign mm -hmm. um, as, a, as my main character. And uh, that's been a lot of fun. Uh, I the the NPC is a uh, kind of a, a kind of well, he's kind of a thief slash wizard um, who is um, kind of inspired by the old stories uh, Fawford and the Gray Mouser, um, and uh, he is a uh honestly the 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 way that i've built the character up to the level he's at right now he hasn't multi-classed i'm thinking about multi-classing uh but just pure wizard and there are a lot of really good spells for any play style um in this one of the things i really like about it is you're free anytime you're out of combat to switch your spells out as a wizard 
I like that a lot. That's one of my biggest pet peeves about the the entire mm-hmm. way that D&D has handled wizards since the beginning. The whole idea that, mm-hmm. you know, only on a is a long rest where you have you can prepare spells. Uh-huh. And it, and you have such a small number of spell slots and spells as a wizard. It always felt a little bit like unwizardly. You know what I mean? Um like no no D&D character has ever felt to me like you know, like a Gandalf or whatever, you know, it always felt like a guy who knows how to do one weird party trick. And I never liked that about the sort of wizard or, you know, the, the most common variation is a guy who can cast fireball. Right. Um, (laughs) So far, I do not have fireball on my character. I'm not missing it. Um, The most iconic D and D spell that I'm really leaning into is um, magic missile, which I've always liked. Mm-hmm. Um, love to be a spell sniper. Um, the, the most fun thing I've found about the game so far is, you know, because I'm kind of leaning into the kind of more roguish side of things, spells like fog cloud, darkness, yes. and silence are really well, are really good to use in this, uh, in this game. Um, and also like minor illusion is, is I'll throw on that list. Um, because you got to explain how you've been using minor illusion because that sure. one doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, minor illusion is is a very s- silly spell in this. At first, I thought, oh, this is kind of going to suck because I love minor illusion in tabletop because all it is is you can create any image that you want that fits in like I don't know, like a five foot square, right? And that's cool. Um, there's lots of really tricky ways you can do that. Uh, those are my favorite D&D spells, the ones that are really flexible. That one, Thaumaturgy, stuff like that, that have kind of an undefined effect that you can use creatively. Um, in this game, you use it and it creates an illusion of a cat. And that is the only illusion you can create. <laughs> um, That's why I was like, what is this for? Yes. Um, and um, now I was kind of thinking I wanted to go illusionist in general, um, so I got that spell for free, um, and you get an improved version of it that you can cast as a bonus action, which is very helpful. Um, but what that spell does is this illusion of a cat, um, every creature that can look at it is going to look at it. And cause it sits there and it like meows once and it's kind of, gl- it's like a glittery cat just it's appeared. Adorable. It's cool. Um, and then everyone that looks at it has to make an investigation check to see if they see through the illusion or not. Right. And most of your like not too smart enemies are not going to make the right check. Right. So they are going to see. And in a lot of cases, like target the cat. Um, and like, especially against like beasts or, you know, the dumber enemies like goblins, like um, you can use this in, stealth when you want the guard to look the other way um you can use this in combat to distract an enemy and get them to like skip an attack for a turn uh so it turns out to be actually very very useful when at first i thought like what the hell cats only version of the spell come on um but this game is i will say full of really lovely cats um i don't know if you met gale's um uh familiar not yet no okay i think you meet i forget the name uh not really a cat it's what's 
called a tressum in D&D lore, which is a cat with wings. Adorable. And uh, the, um, I think you meet in the, in the blighted village, but I might be, I might be wrong up on a roof. Um, talking with anim- speaking of animals, talking with animals is delightful in this game. Um, speak with animals has always been another great spell with a kind of undefined element to it. This game really leans into that. There's a lot of animals and all of them have great dialogue. I love it. It's one of my favorite things about this game. It's so strange that like you can just go randomly talk to every cow or rat that you happen to see skittering around. Yeah, but only if you took this one weird spell that probably half of people are not going to take. Yeah, I don't actually have a reliable um, source for talk with animals. So I have I've have a few had a few uh, scrolls for it and stuff, and I've used it in a few clutch situations. But it's one of the biggest regrets is like I I, I should have like leaned into talk with animals earlier. Mm-hmm. Now that I know how cool and funny it is, uh, I'm like trying to like figure out how to get it on one of my my mains. Um, but yeah, it's really impressive that they put so much like the, every spell that you include in a game like this. If it's not like a super specific, like, you know, create fireball type of spell, like then almost every spell can be cast in and out of combat and some are only out of combat and things like speak with the dead or uh, or, you know, speak with animals like so the I'll, amount. Of I'll have to tell work. you offline. I'll have to tell you offline because it's a big spoiler, but I got I just got access to speak with the dead uh, as a really good reward for a very fun quest. And uh, that spell is also done really well. Yeah, exactly. I've got that. I've got that on main. And like, it's really, really useful because you're constantly finding corpses and you're like, where did this person hide their big stash of gold or something? Let's ask them. Um, Mm -hmm. But they've done some clever stuff with it too. Like if you killed a guy, uh, then you go talk to him with speak with, you know, with, with the, with, with talk with the dead or whatever. And he's going to know it was you. And he's like, I don't want to talk to you. You killed me, you bastard. And then he's gone. Um, but if you like, you could use disguise self first and then talk to him. And they're like, that asshole killed me. And you're like, who? I don't know who that was. Uh, well, I love it. I love that. It's so great. Yeah, they, they, they really, it feels like they, they grabbed a lot. Of, the, the spell book for f- fifth edition D&D is full of these like, spells that you would not think would work very well in a video game and they've done because they take an enormous amount of effort to implement because they are something like like this means you literally have to write a dialogue tree for every fucking rat that's insane every corpse that's left laying around every corpse this is a game with a lot of corpses (laughs) Uh uh-huh and more once you get through with it right and Um, uh yeah love it yeah so all of that has been been truly fantastic um how's the game actually been playing for you on a technical level? Like I, I, I tried running this on my steam deck and I, I, it actually ran. I was surprised pretty well. It didn't look very good. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to play it on my, uh, on my PC and that's where I've been playing it. Same. Um, technically I think it's, I mean, it's a great technical game if you have the hardware to play it, I think this is one where like, if you have a PS five, that version seems to be good. Um, I've been playing it on PC and, um, it was uh, like I'm delayed on, on the Xbox, right? Because it's still not out it, on Xbox. So it, they had, no, I think it is now, right? 
No, it's it's still not out. They had a okay. they had an issue with Xbox where Xbox has a policy where so this game has to be ship a, multiplayer. It has to be uh, they have the game has to be released with all the same features that it has on other platforms, right? No, it's and, the, it's between the Series X and the Series S. So the Series S is very underpowered, right? Uh, I have one; it's fine, but like I play like indie games on it, so it doesn't uh-huh. matter. Um, but like the rules your with Xbox has to are do everything the same on both of those. Yeah, and they couldn't make the split screen work on Xbox Series S because you know you're essentially kind of running twice. the game yeah. twice. Like it's like, it it just doesn't work. Um, and so they please they don't give developers more reasons to not include couch co-op. I know. You know, they apparently have now gotten a like. Uh, you know, uh, dispensation from the Xbox Pope where they're going to be allowed to ship a version where it's, you know, it has or had where it doesn't have the same features between those two platforms. But that's like a a policy, uh, like a platform policy. So they skipped Xbox and kind of gave PlayStation an accidental exclusive on this, you know, hottest game of the year. And I'm sure that like probably uh, sold a few places whoever like shooting themselves about it. Um, but it's uh yeah, I probably sold some PS fives. Uh, this uh but five, yeah, if you awesome. if you can, I think the place to play this is on PC. Um I, I have a 3070, which is like, you know, it's a few years old, it's from 2020, but it's like a good graphics card, like a good mid-range graphics card. Um, and I've been very happy with the experience here. I also played a good bit of this on Steam Deck, and um, same thing as as Shane, like this game has surprisingly good. Um, I did notice you also cannot do the split screen on Steam Deck because I was yes. hoping I could do that as a way to get you, into you the can, living room. You can like do some like um, console hacking or something to to like allow it. Um, but you know, you're the I don't know what the performance is going to be like. What I've had found found myself doing is streaming the game from my PC to the Steam Deck, which has worked out great. Or from the or that. actually more often from the gaming PC to a laptop because. For me, this game just plays way, way better with a mouse and keyboard. You know, with a game where you're like selecting a character, you know, selecting a spell to cast, you know, having a hot bar with all of my actions like laid out and visible. Uh, for me, in this game is easier to grok than like multiple levels of like um, wheels, you know, like on screen mm-hmm. wheel menus. Um, it's a good system that they've created if you prefer playing this kind of game on a gamepad like you'll have a good time but i think if you can this is something to play with a mouse and keyboard i I found that's a it's a way better experience for me it's probably also worth mentioning this game is like 120 gigabytes it's gigantic oh yeah and so if you have that kind of storage space on your console like good luck to you also i would never try to play this game off of a hard drive you know the you're going to be quick saving and quick loading so much and like off of an ssd it's already a little bit pokey in some mm-hmm. cases so yeah this is the game that made me upgrade the the ssd on my steam deck and i was glad i did it it's been very convenient to have a much larger ssd on that thing but like um it you know it 128 oh. gigabytes on what was previously a 256 gigabyte steam mm-hmm. deck i was like oh yeah, i had to God. delete a lot off of my steam deck to install this and and, and that and all that just to basically not play it on the steam deck i'm kind yeah. of i it, we another thing we haven't talked about yet is the multiplayer experience um which has been really interesting because it's improved so, we had so some weird funny. it's a weird setup okay um, yes the, it is 
first um, let's talk about what it actually is now because like yeah. for 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 people who are checking so out the game your some buddy of the weirdness that we encounter can load won't. into your game and when your buddy loads into your game um the um the first thing they'll do is create a character you know and they can do the character creator and then they'll level that character up to the level of your party and then if you want, you can actually Which I really appreciate it. Yes. Like, I really hate that experience of like, oh, yeah, let's let's play this game together. We're both interested in it. But like I uh, picked up the game six minutes later than you did. And that means that we're fighting characters that will one shot me in the eye. And, that you mm-hmm. know, so I'm just like, like, I hate that experience. We've, we we played um, like we were talking about playing. Um, uh, uh, what was it? Bo- um, Borderlands which we played a good amount of together co-op at various times. But that had that problem where like, if we weren't carefully orchestrating who we were, you know, when we were playing and whether we were playing together and like keeping on the same level as each other, like it just immediately quit being fun because it was, you know, you were loading in with your existing character who might be wildly under leveled for something that your, your friend was doing. Or if your friend loads into your game, like they might be just curb stomping what would ordinarily be interesting bosses for you. I hate that experience. I've never liked that kind of approach. So I really like that for this, although it is a little annoying that I can't like bring my fun character I've already been playing as into your game. Um, I liked that I was able to roll up a character and they instantly leveled up to match your level. And D&D makes that kind of easy because like we're not talking about like tons and tons of little micro levels like you have in a lot of uh, of games like going from like level three to level four is like a massive shift in this game. You level up relatively infrequently by the end of act one. I'm I'm at level four Um, kind of worth mentioning. This game really only has um, 12 levels like that's the mm -hmm. level cap D&D, of course, goes up to 20th level. Uh, if your campaign survives that long, which it probably will none not. do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that multiplayer experience is pretty smooth. You jump in, um, you can choose how to divide up the party between the two. Uh, they do some smart things where in initiative order in turn based combat, um, it can allow both characters to kind of do their thing um, simultaneously a little bit uh you do yeah, like I, th- I think find yourself waiting on your um mul- you know on your co-op partner quite a bit um in this game due to the turn-based nature of combat uh i don't see how you avoid that i think they've done their best uh with mm-hmm. like, some of the simultaneity if both people are super fast clickers uh who know exactly what they want to do and have and need no discussion about objectives uh you know great but it, it, it's i think that the, the the turn-based combat ha- works pretty well in a multiplayer context. Um, what was really funny was the way it worked originally, and the the oh god, uh, because um, Reagan joined my game and then left. We had a good time in that first play session, um, and then I realized. Uh, I couldn't figure out how to get his character to stop following me around his little mute, um, like player character, but not right. The, um, you know, I I had to eventually quit the game and Google it. And it turned out that you cannot kick the 
guy out. You you if you ever play multiplayer with anyone, you were permanently stuck with their character mutely following you around taking up a party slot. And there are and only four spots in your There's only four party. four slots and every character is more interesting because they have voice lines. So I I read some horror stories of people like accidentally opening yes. up their their game on multiplayer ending up with like four randos with names like Sir Mega Penis or whatever and then yeah. And then they just like we're stuck. And you with can't that. delete Sir Mega Penis. Uh, the I, that was clearly not the best, um, and so thankfully they very quickly released what I thought was a very funny way to address that feature. They added a wardrobe uh, to. They already have this character that's a um, some sort of lich or zombie called Withers, very um, who. I would like to nominate for um, Galerius uh, Award <laughs> because Maybe. the the true the true uh, nature of a Galerius is it's a uh, and it's an NPC in your game that serves uh, you know that has has its place in the story but truly exists to make gameplay easier and to help you get things done and that is what Withers is to a T. Withers is yeah. an easy way to um respec your character and revive dead party members uh well now he has a box for you to put (laughs) with your wayward friends in and you can put them into this box and take them out of the box uh i don't know if i'm i i don't know if you have seen this but um when you leave the game now if i go and try to talk to your character they're just sitting it has a cutscene where they're like sitting there glassy-eyed and, and oh no and it's like your 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 ally seems to be not quite themselves or some of the narrator comments on it or something um and uh yeah then you can like pick them up and put them into a, a creepy wardrobe which is that is so an interesting way that. to address uh the issue i'm glad it's uh but th- this is all um, features of something I really like about the game that was also not present in some of the previous games, which is camp. Um, yeah. At any time, you can teleport out of like you know the bottom of a dungeon or whatever to camp, which is a campsite, uh, and there's lots of different ones themed on the environment that you're in. So the illusion is like you have a camp nearby, right? Uh, but you're really just sort of teleporting to camp, and at camp you've got all your stuff, all your companions. Um, you know, Withers is there. The wardrobe is there. Um, you can take a, a long sa- rest there. You can take a long rest there. Um, and crucially, lots of um, inter-party cutscenes uh, take place at camp. And going and taking a long rest is a very frequent trigger for um, the you know advancing the individual for the characters story quest. I, uh, among many other th- fuck or kill each other or, uh, lots of other things that can take place. <laughs> so uh, a lot of hay has been made over the fact that this is a relatively horny game. I actually have uh-huh. to say like, I, you know, the game is what you make it. Um, yeah. I, I haven't found it to be like excessively horny, but you are rolling around with like bisexual vampire of the year and like other you know and and um shadow heart is a little over eager like there there's definitely like if you lean into it if you enjoyed like the romance in something like dragon age right 
then that is here for you. And and I'm I'm into it. Like I like, you know, I I want my little rogue to get it on with the vampire. Like, sure, totally into it. Want to see it. Um in detail, close-ups, please. But like it is sort of just like it's just there as an option. Like you don't have to lean into that. It's all very like you know, multiple layers of of very well-meaning consent happens before you, you know, find yourself in any of these sorts of situations. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think it's fun. Um, so, yeah. I mean, if you want my take on the romance, it's good romance. I'm, I'm not like leaning heavily into it. I, I think that I think that people that played the game early on, um, as I've read in some of the patch notes, I think they had a very interesting experience because according to the patch notes from Larian, one of the first things they did um, was to kind of slow down the character's uh, speed at which they will leap into bed with the player character. Um, mm-hmm. The, uh, the, <laughs> the, 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 some of the characters were getting kind of possibly an undeserved reputation for being super horny um, yeah. <laughs> in the online discussion. It's more it's more like this is a game that like, kind of has that, you know, you know, if you're going to camp every 15 minutes and, and doing every dialogue tree, you're certainly going to run into it. Yeah. Um, I, and I, 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 really I also like do like, though, that all the characters, all the side characters have their own little quest line that you can advance yes. and, and build your relationship with them. Mm-hmm. I love nothing. I'm a persona guy. Like, I've, I love nothing better than than doing quests for someone so they like me more. Like, I love mm-hmm. that stuff. You know, give me the give me the um, the side character quest line that lets me advance my relationship with them. And, and you know, that's here. And that's that's part of the the, the romance stuff, which. But yeah, that's it, it, not reminded me of, of what I like like about the dragon age games you know i think those games do this kind of thing pretty well um this this game certainly does as well and they really make all the characters um very likable uh Mm -hmm. with a couple of exceptions for me but i think tastes vary um the you know i i've already talked about some of my favorites i i do want to mention carlac just as being absolutely downright lovable um and now that I've kind of met all the characters, I'm ready to fully advance the story and get into what's happening in Act Three. So, um, two. Act Two, yeah, that's what I meant to say. Um, yeah. I can't wait to play more. Um, but we have to play other stuff for the show too. So we'll be doing more of that soon, um, listeners. the The show is going to get very interesting for the next few weeks um, because we're rolling into October. And uh, as you may remember, if you've been listening to the show for a while, October is the beginning of IF Comp. And uh, last year, our IF Comp coverage was a little thin on the ground because I had just had a baby. Uh, my baby turned one a uh, couple of days ago and oh no, yesterday. And so uh, where what is time? And so, you know, things are a little different for me now than they were uh, like a year ago, exactly. Uh, so things, uh, I'm looking forward to IF Comp this year. Uh, we're going to try to to spin up our coverage and do our typical thing. Um, and we've got some other games that are sort of on the burners as well. So uh, I'm looking forward to this month and into into November. This is going to be a good fall for the show. Uh, listeners, if you have uh, suggestions about games for the show, if you have thoughts about Baldur's Gate, if you have thoughts about actual short games that are actually on topic for the show um you can join us on our discord head to the shortgame.net 
or excuse me, our, our new and improved website, shortgame.fm. Head to shortgame.fm uh, where you'll find all of the links and buttons. Uh, there's a link there to our Patreon. All of our patrons get access to our Discord community. Great way to come chat with us about the show. We would love to have you. Um, or you'll find links to our various socials uh, and the socials of our various hosts. You can find me on there or link to my Mastodon, which is the main place that I post these days. Um, and um, yeah, if you have, oh, and there's a contact form and email there. If you have other suggestions and you you aren't on our Discord or you don't, you'd prefer to send us a, a screed, uh, we're happy to receive those as well. Um, also, don't forget to leave a review for the show on your podcast platform of choice. Apple is obviously the big one, but most of them now include a facility for you to rate or review shows. Um, that is a big part of how people find the show. We consistently hear from our listeners that the way they found the show was, I really liked Game X. And so I went to podcast platform and typed in Game X in the search. And yours was one of the shows, you know, found you that way. Um, and so that's really important. But the ranking for who episodes like this are not great for that strategy. I don't think we're no, going to come up high yeah. on the list of podcasts. No, not talking considering about that we're doing three. it like a couple of months late. And also we're talking about a, sh- a game that literally everyone's been talking about. But listeners, we really do appreciate the help. A rating, a review, it doesn't just generally bubble us up. It helps in those scenarios. It's a, a thing that's really important to us, um, being able to be findable. Um, so if you have a moment and you want to leave us a review or a rating or both, please do. It means a lot to us. Um, and of course, the Patreon, Patreon. you know, if you're a patron, we support, we, we, we appreciate your support enormously. Thank you so much for, for what you do. Um, let's see. Uh, you can find me on the web at reagan.me and it's got links to all my socials and everything. Uh, Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on Mastodon at Shane at bird.rodeo um, or you can find me on threads at 8BitShane. And listeners, thanks once again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Or rather, the extremely long game that I don't know why we talked about it on this particular program, apart from that we're enjoying it game. I, I it, we, we, we talked about it. And listeners, sidebar, this is just, this is some behind-the-scenes podcasting talk. Uh, we are, um, you know, when I, when I want to play a long game, if I can't talk about it on the show, then I can't play as much of it as I would like. Uh, because so I have true. to play something else. So, um, you know, I am going to take, if we get no complaints about this, <laughs> I am going to take that as um, audience consent to continue to discuss slightly longer games or chunks of long games. Um, and I am going to keep doing it <laughs> until you're someone ruining tells the show, me I'm you're ru- ruining, ruining the, short game. the podcast. How dare you? How dare I ruin this this thing? You know, uh, I I I don't think it's ruining the podcast, but I do feel like I'm cheating somehow. <laughs> I kind of do too. <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Short Game. Like if if we if it was a long game and we didn't like it, obviously we're not going to do an episode on it. <laughs> but if we really like it, <laughs> yeah, maybe we can just keep doing episodes on it. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see you next week on another episode of the Baldur's Gate Three Cast. <laughs>
Reagan, I, I, I have a, uh, I have a podcast that I've listened to for a long time. That's about, um, a magic format called cube, right? And the, the podcast is, was made and themed around this, uh, obscure specific way of playing magic at a certain point, the two guys that did it really just decided they wanted to get into, um, Warhammer 40 K and the podcast just became a Warhammer 40K <laughs> podcast. And I was like, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> you can just That's change your podcast. <laughs> you can just, you can just you. podcast about something that's not on your iTunes art. You can podcast about something different than you've been podcasting about for nine years. How dare you? Well, anyway, listeners, have no fear. We're really going to cover games, short games. You're going to get <laughs> if they stop making really good short games. You're in for it, listeners. Oh God, you're we're all screwed. Thank you. I'm, I've tried to end this podcast a hundred times now, but this is it. Thank you for listening to the short game. Goodbye. <laughs>